Today's show will touch on a number of important things. Why do great teachers leave their schools or leave education altogether? What makes a great leader? If you don't trust a teacher to manage their own growth, what can you do about it? And maybe most importantly, what do teachers want? If any of those sound interesting to you, then you definitely should enjoy today's show. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Caitlin Mitchell is the co-founder of EB Academics, a company that helps middle school ELA teachers expertly support their students while achieving their own work-life balance. She also co-hosts the popular podcast, Teaching Middle School ELA, and the YouTube channel, EB Academics for Middle School ELA Teachers, which offers advice and inspiration to educators. And if that isn't enough, Caitlin also co-authored an Amazon number one best-selling book, The Empowered ELA Teacher. Caitlin holds a master's degree with a focus in curriculum development and secondary education, and she has a wealth of experience in the field of education, having taught high school, middle school, and fifth grade. Her dedication to teaching was recognized by the LAX Coastal Chamber of Commerce, who awarded her Teacher of the Year. As a leader, Caitlin has established a culture within her company and community that is centered on helping people to shift their mindsets in order to grow and thrive within their careers. Hello, Caitlin. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And we haven't talked for mm, going back to number 243 of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. <laughs> it's so nice to connect with you again. We had a great conversation over on our podcast, and I'm just so honored to get to be here to kind of share a teacher perspective with your audience as well. I think it's just going to be so valuable. But before we jump in, we always like to start with celebrations. So what are you celebrating today? Oh, this is a good question. You kind of caught me off guard. What am I celebrating? Honestly, right now, my relationship with my son, I'm really celebrating. Yeah, he's been, it's been a difficult journey. He's one of those deeply feeling kids. And I went through this great program from Dr. Becky called Good Inside. And it just talks about really validating our children's feelings and emotions and just letting them know that we believe that they feel that way. Um, as opposed to saying like, suck it up, you'll be fine, whatever. Um, and I think it's actually really ties into how APs can support teachers in the classrooms too. I think there's a lot of that dynamic that can be carried over. So that's my win is my relationship with my son right now. That's awesome. And maybe we can include a link to that program yes. in the show notes. It's the best. Every parent who struggles should absolutely go through that program. She's fantastic. 
sounds like I needed that. (laughs) (laughs) My time has passed. (laughs) Too funny. Caitlin, is there a story that will help listeners understand why you're doing what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. So is it okay? Does it matter how long this story is? I can be as succinct as possible. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you can keep people's interests. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so for the longest time, I did not want to be a teacher growing up. My whole family are teachers. My dad was an AP actually. Um, my mom was a teacher, grandparents, all of the things. And so I went to college saying, I am not going to be a teacher. No way. End of, you know, second semester, senior year. I'm like, gosh, darn it. I want to be a teacher. <laughs> and I have my degree in communication studies. I have no teaching experience. And, you know, three days before school started or five days before school started, I got a position as a junior high school English teacher. And I loved it. It was the best thing ever, you know, just a great position. But over time, I became really disillusioned with education, the way that I was not being supported as an educator. You know, I was going and getting my master's degree and my certification at the same time. Um, So I had that support-ish, if you will, Um, but I wasn't getting a ton of support from my admin. And about three and a half years into being a teacher, I left. I actually quit in March. And I was like, I'm out. I'm not participating in this game. This is, I am a great teacher and I am not feeling valued for my skills at all. Um, So I actually left teaching. I quit, could not make it until the end of the year. I was very much out the door. And I think that happens to a lot of great teachers. So long story short, I went into corporate America. I worked for iHeartRadio. I met Usher. I got to meet Ryan Seacrest, all the cool things, right? Beverly Hills, LA, this big, great job. So it seems, but I'm very much a purpose-driven person, an impact-driven person. And that had not really as much purpose and impact on the world as I thought it would. So I went back to the classroom and I knew that I had to do something differently because the system of education was not going to change. So I needed to show up differently as an educator in order to allow myself to be insulated, if you will, from this larger system of education. And that's where I actually met my business partner, Jessica, who she and I co-founded our company, EB Academics, in gosh, 2016. So no, 2014, nine years ago. And, um, and our whole goal is to keep great teachers in the classroom. That's what we do at EB because we know that a great teacher impacts student success, impacts student love of learning. And it really, it's just this whole cyclical thing. So if teachers are happy and they love their jobs and they want to be doing what they're doing, they feel supported and they really don't have that system pushing down on them, or at least they have something to protect them from the system then we know that we can keep great teachers in the classroom. So that's, you know, the long and the short of ensuring that teachers don't end up like I did and leaving the classroom. Um, so that's what we do at EB. And that's kind of my, my life's goal is to impact education in that capacity. So I think you've already touched on the main themes that I want to really dig into. And I appreciate that you've got that experience as well as you've been supporting hundreds, thousands Thousand, of teachers. Yeah. And I know you've been hearing their stories as well. So I'm going to ask you to draw on your own and other people's stories as we work through this. I kind of heard two different things as you were talking about the challenges of teaching. That first is is supporting. And I, I talk about the work of working with teachers as supporting and growing. And mm-hmm. to me, those two words mean very specific things. And when we talk about supporting, we're talking 
about the organization mm-hmm. because we know organizations are not really aligned to help teachers do the work we want them to do. I know high school teachers are working with 90, 100, 150 kids. That's not the kind of education we want for our kids. Elementary school teachers are lucky if they have a chance to go to the bathroom during the day, mm-hmm. let alone plan and meet all the needs of their students. So we know that people are working in systems that that really make it more challenging to be a great teacher, as yeah. you already alluded to. So one thing we want assistant principals to get better at is aligning those systems to make it easier for teachers to do the work they know how to do. Mm-hmm. The second part then is growing teachers. And I think that relates to what teachers know, the skills they have, their dispositions and their health. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to help take care of all four of those things. And teaching is a extremely complex task to do. And, and I know you guys have done some great work around kind of simplifying and creating models for people to be able to get into the complexities in a way that's more manageable. But I want to think also about how we help assistant principals, how they approach those teachers that already want to grow, that want to dig in and do the work. So how as an AP do I serve them instead of trying to impose my will or my desires upon them? Yeah. I mean, I think that you bring up a lot of great different points and I'd love to actually start with talking about growing teachers as a whole, you know, this is something that we do at EB that I'd love to invite your listeners to really think about and consider from, from a leadership perspective. You know, I am the CEO of this company. Um, I am all about leadership and think it's extremely important. Um, but I think one of the things that comes from our teachers that we hear in our community, we have thousands of teachers who are speaking to us on a daily basis. So we really have a good ear on the ground of what's going on across the country, you know, we have teachers in all parts of the the world as well. And what we hear from our teachers all the time is a lack of trust and a lack of autonomy in their decision-making. So our teachers know what's good for students. They know what works in the classroom. And a lot of the times our teachers are telling us, I just don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. I don't feel valued because I'm having these things pushed to exactly what you just said pushed down on me from the top down. And it's actually really interesting because when I went to really expand our our company and and getting our curriculum into more schools, I went and met with someone who is a very good family friend who has connections with higher ups in our local public education system here. And I asked him, I'm like, how do I get in contact with the people at the top? And he's like, that's the wrong approach. You don't want to go with the people at the top. You want to come from a grassroots effort. What do teachers want? What do teachers need? And when you get teacher buy-in, that's when you know that you have something that's working. So I want to invite your assistant principals to think about supporting teachers in that same perspective. And I think we know that, but how do we actually do that in practice? How do we actually open up those channels of communications with their teachers so that we say like, yeah, I care what my teachers have to say and I value their opinions. But do you? You know, if you really step back and take a look at what actions are you showing, are your actions aligning with the beliefs and the values and the words that you're saying? And I think a lot of the times that they don't. Um, so I think that that's really important for an AP to consider. Do you want to add something to that before I head to my other point? Yeah, Caitlin, we did a show a couple of weeks ago about supporting veteran teachers. 
-hmm. And there were four components to that. And the first one was learn, right? Listen and learn. And, and I think it's funny, you just framed the question, what do teachers want? And if we don't ask questions, and if we don't listen, then we don't know. And I pound this on assistant principals, but we get so accustomed to thinking we have to have the answers, right? Mm -hmm. We help people because we have the answers. And that is the absolute reverse thing that we need to be doing with our veteran teachers. Well, any of our teachers, our teachers have the answers. So yeah. instead of asking, we need to be, li- instead of telling, we need to be listening. Yeah. And I think I want to add something to what you just said that, so I talk about this, I have a personal trainer and he and I talk about mindset and ego and stuff all the time that I think is really interesting. And it comes up a lot with CEOs that I work with too, of, you know, no one else is going to be able to do as good of a job as I do. So I think a lot of assistant principals were great teachers in the classrooms, right? And then they become assistant principals. And I think instead of the goal being of imparting our knowledge into our teachers, I think what we can look at it from a perspective of let's remove the me in this equation as the assistant principal. And my goal actually is to have my teachers be significantly better than I ever was as a teacher. And when we kind of take that ego out, right? And I'm not saying like ego, I'm the best. I'm talking just what we believe about ourselves. We take that ego out and it's about that. Then we can come from a place of, I don't know anything. And when we have that perspective of just constantly learning and being open and available to receiving new ideas, new thoughts that maybe my teachers actually do have a great idea just because it looked different when I was in the classroom doesn't mean that this is not available to teachers to be successful now too. So kind of tangent, but I think that that's important to remove the ego and support others in elevating them even beyond what you could have ever been capable of as a teacher. That's when you know you've done a great job as a leader. Yeah, I I love that. I think it's interesting to how I just lost my thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, feel, I call those brain farts with my middle schoolers. <laughs> it's it's not even Friday. <laughs> I guess I'll I'll segue into this. Sometimes not knowing is actually a huge advantage. And I think the best that I was able to serve teachers was when I was a special ed administrator at the county level, and I had no clue as to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so instead of going in and trying to tell my special ed teachers what they should be doing. I just asked questions because I didn't know. And I tried to ask questions that would allow them to reflect on their own practice and that would help, you know, inform me and make me better. And I remember when I left that job and the last conversation I had with the teachers and they said, you have helped us so much. And I said, what do you mean? I, I don't, I haven't done anything. And they go, no, you come in and you come in on a Friday afternoon and you ask us these questions and you help us reflect and unpack our week. And, and that's the value. The value is not in that telling it's in the listening. Yep. A little phrase that I use in business that I think is applicable to what your APs do is the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask. So it's like, how is that applicable to our teachers too? And I actually use a great kind of like questioning segment that I go through that I can share with you guys right now um, with my team when I do one-on-ones with with my team, with my staff. And it's all about like identifying performance constraints, right? How are we not operating at, at a 10 out of 10 in our roles? And like teachers know, they know if they're not operating at a 10 out of 10, most people are harder on themselves than we would ever be on them. 
And so to ask your teachers, you know, I want to sit down and, and let's identify what's getting in the way of you operating at a 10 out of 10 as a teacher. And they can, you can ask them, are you, do you feel like you're operating at a, at a 10 out of 10 right now in the classroom, as a person outside of school, all of the different things that we want to measure, whatever 10 out of 10 means to you. And they'll tell you, no, I don't feel like that. And we can ask them, okay, well, what's the constraint? What's getting in the way? What's the roadblock of you being able to operate at this level? And they're going to tell you that too. And then we can identify the causes. So if a teacher's saying, you know, I feel like I'm kind of operating at like a seven out of 10 right now. And one of the causes of that is my lesson planning is just extremely overwhelming to me. Okay, well, what's the cause of your lesson planning being extremely overwhelming? And they might tell you, well, I have to turn in my lesson plans every single week and I have to frame them this way. And then I have all of these challenges with my students and blah, blah, blah. They're going to give you a million different things. Well, then we can look at, okay, these causes are the reason why my teacher is not able to perform at a 10 out of 10 in their opinion. What are my solutions? How can we work together now and have a conversation around solutions to support this teacher in their role? So then I've asked them these great questions. We've unpacked this conversation together, and now we're able to work together to offer solutions so that my teacher feels supported, so that they feel like, oh, they, they really do care about me. They really do hear me. They do really do value what I have to say and want to help me be the best teacher that I can be, as opposed to sitting down and being like, hey, I noticed in your lesson that you missed blah, 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 right? That's not going to help anybody. Okay. This is wonderful. Let's tear into this a little bit more. <laughs> so one of the things we know from the research is that school administrators are not particularly good at observation, right? Not only in recording data, but also in interpreting data, trying to let go of their own biases. Mm -hmm. And then in drawing conclusions, if I, I have this video that I like to show of a kind of stodgy old social studies teacher, right? And he's lecturing, trying to lecture to a group of high school kids and it's a train wreck. If I have 10 assistant principals in the room and I ask them, what is the one thing that this teacher should focus on? I get five different answers. Sure. And what that tells me is it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Even if one thing is actually more important, the only correct answer, in my opinion, is what the teacher wants to work on. Because if the teacher has said, this is driving me nuts, then that's what we should be working with them on. And I think your, your story, your sharing of somebody overwhelmed by lesson planning brings that out. And the other thing that's because I probably as an assistant principal, I'm watching the lesson. I'm not going to be thinking this person needs more, needs to figure out how to manage their lesson planning. Even right. if I give feedback on the lesson plan, it's not going to be about the planning process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's invisible to me. That's the other thing, right? I will never know unless I ask the teacher and mm -hmm. we have that conversation and it's not that hard. Hey, how's teaching going? Oh, I'm overwhelmed by my planning. Mm, let's unpack that. Right, right. And I think that brings up an interesting point, right? We, we have our teachers go to professional development all the time. There's all kinds of professional development that we send our teachers to. And I'm, I'd love to ask the question of why don't we send our teacher, teachers to personal development? In our business at EB, that's one of the biggest thing that we offer our teachers is coaching around personal development. So lesson planning, for example, there are some teachers that are inherently just more organized than others. You walk into their classroom, everything's blah, 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 in order. And then you have the teachers who are kind of all over the place, but they know where everything is. 
And then there are teachers in the middle of that spectrum, right? And I think a lot of the times we just make these assumptions that our teachers have all of these skills under their belt of, okay, within these 30 minutes that I have for my lesson planning window, I know exactly what to do. Well, most of our teachers we're finding actually don't. And so we have a life coach come in who teaches them, here's how to harness the power of the 30 minutes of your lesson plan period time. And they, she talks them through it. And our teachers are just blown away. Why have I never been taught this before? Why isn't this something that has come up? And I think to your point, exactly that as um, assistant principals and, and admins just in general, we're very concerned and rightfully so about our student growth, right? There's so much tied into all of that too, which we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I think what happens is our teachers kind of get left in the dust in terms of their personal development. And I'll tell you right now, as a business owner with a staff, very similar to an AP with a staff, the best thing that I can do for my team is support them in their personal growth and their personal development. Because once I pour into them that way, the skills, all that stuff, that's easy, right? It's the internal work that we get to help support our teams do that. That's the hard part. Like that's where they need the most guidance from us on. I like to simplify it this way that as a school leader, I have two jobs, keep everybody safe and then help our students grow into young adults who have agency in their lives. But I don't teach. And mm -hmm. we know the number one impact on student achievement is the teacher. So mm -hmm. I have two jobs, keep everybody safe and help my teachers grow. Yeah. Because if my teachers are 20% better, our kids are going to be at least 20% better than if we hadn't do anything if we had yeah. done something else and we let too much stuff get in the way. Yep. Yep. I totally agree with you. So the, I think one of the other barriers, the first big barrier is that we think we have to have the answer. Second barrier is that the system is structured through an evaluation system that I think is completely broken. So again, we think we have to have the answers and we have to tell people what to do. But the third thing, and I think the biggest roadblock is trust. Mm -hmm. And because we have those first two pieces that don't work, that really gets in the way of trust. Do you want to share some things, stories that you've heard from your teachers where that trust has been developed with their mm -hmm. assistant principals or principals? Yeah. I mean, we, I, we have a lot of teachers who've shared this with us, but a, a perfect example of this would be, um, and I don't mean to keep talking about my company, but it does tie into the conversation where, you know, one of our teachers was talking about how she really wants to bring our programs to all the other teachers at her school. And she was very concerned, you know, I'm worried I'm going up against this. And I want to make sure that I have all the evidence-based research because that's what my admin's going to care about. And we were like, look, just go in there. If you have a great relationship with your principal or your assistant principal, and just talk to them about your, what your experience has been. And that was kind of our coaching for her on it. And, you know, sure enough, she's a great teacher. She's seen great results for her kids. And her AP said, yeah, let's get it for everybody else. And what that did for this teacher in our community, I mean, internally, intrinsic motivation, their, their sense of self-worth, all of those things. It's like, wow, I'm really valued and trusted in this community as an educator. And I think about too, like what that does just for the people who now are going to be a part of what we're doing here, right? If I show one teacher trust and I really, through my actions, am showing them that I trust them in that capacity. Now I have other teachers who I get to do that with too. And then what kind of a culture 
are we breeding here at our school? So it's not like, it's so much more than just trusting a teacher. It's about the entire community and the impact and the implications that trust or not trust is going to have on the ability for the, the, the school to grow, to have impact on kids' lives. You know, I think when we don't have trust and again, I'll relate it back to business. When I don't have trust on my team, I'm micromanaging everything as the business owner, right? So if you don't trust your teachers, you're micromanaging everything as the AP. Well, what happens when you do that? It's actually removing you from your zone of genius and what you're supposed to be doing as the AP because you have your hands in everything that really you shouldn't have your hands in, right? And so if you do have a teacher that you don't implicitly trust, maybe their decision-making is a little bit concerning to you or you don't really like their attitude or whatever it might be, well, that's where we get to go back to that conversation of performing at a 10 out of 10. What does a 10 out of 10 look like, et cetera? And so I think it becomes this very just cyclical experience for everybody is the more that we trust, the more that we support, the more that we're going to get that back in return, the more that school is going to grow. It's just, a, it breeds a better environment for everybody who's impacted. Now you work a lot with districts, but you also work with individual teachers, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And how many those individual teachers, I mean, they've come to you because they've heard the podcast or somebody else has recommended it. So they're coming to you. They have a problem. They want to grow. They want to grow their skills and their knowledge, what do you get a sense from them of how many of them have that strong administrative support and how many of them are able to say, Hey, this is my growth goal for the year. And I'm able, mm -hmm. able to leverage you as a resource. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a statistic on that, but I will say that the teachers who come to us typically are the teachers who just want to be better. They're already a plus players and they want to be even greater teachers, you know? And I find that teachers who are like that typically have admin who are supportive. And I think the reason being is that that type of teacher is going to seek out that type of environment to work in. So we will find our A plus teachers who are go getters, you know, like they're paying for the membership or our programs out of their own pockets, right? They're those types of teachers who are just go getters. I found that the teachers who are in challenging work environments with very difficult ad, admin or AP or whatever it might be um, are very unhappy. And it's very difficult to kind of bring them back to like alignment to what we're doing here, why they showed up. They fall off the bandwagon, if you will, much more easily than our teachers who feel a lot of support from their admin. Um, and they seek work elsewhere. I mean, to be quite frank with you, at the end of the day, our teachers who are unhappy with their work situations, they leave and they find a better job somewhere else. So it's like you're losing your A-plus players if you're not operating as an A-plus leader. I, I've heard somebody say to me, you know, A-players do not want to work for B-leaders. Hmm. And I find that teachers are the same in our community. So we can be pretty confident that assistant principals, principals, who support teacher agency and empower their teachers to identify their growth goals and and to find ways that they want to grow, that's going to help teacher retention. It's going to help teacher performance. Yep. I can imagine there are people listening to this that are thinking, and maybe with some, you know, understandably, like, 
I don't know if I actually trust my teachers. Sure. That's a huge thing. So if I'm an assistant principal and I'm thinking that, I have no idea where we're going to go with this question, but what? how can I reframe my own yeah. inner narrative and, and what maybe false assumptions are leading to that? Yeah. I mean, a lot comes up for me when you ask that question. Um, I'm a big believer in what we think is what shapes our reality. So whatever thoughts we're creating of saying constantly, I don't trust this teacher. I don't trust this teacher. Well, of course, that's going to be your reality. They're going to feed off of your energy. They're not going to feel trusted. It's not going to create a good rapport for you. So what I've found in instances with my staff, and granted, I've never been an assistant principal, like I'm not coming from an assistant principal perspective, but I am the CEO. I have 15 employees. You know, I have a staff that I'm in charge of and that I lead. And one of the things that I do when I have instances like that, where I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't trust this person a lot in this role. I ask myself the question, why? I bring it back to me. Okay, well, what's underneath that? Why am I, what, what's, why am I not trusting them? What's coming up for me? Are they having, you know, conversations with students that maybe I would do differently? Um, are they not teaching to the, the, you know, standards that we're supposed to, like, what is the reason? What's the pinpoint? So kind of going through that same questioning that I shared with you earlier of what's the cause of why I'm feeling this way. And then I think that it really is, at least for me, about having open and honest communication with my staff. So same thing with our admins of why are we not trusting them? What is it that's coming up for them? But from a place of, look, my job is to support you. I want you to do a great job. I want to be here for you. You know, I think when we come at it from that perspective of servant uh, service leadership, as opposed to, well, you know, I don't, you're not doing X, Y, and Z, and I don't trust you because of this. Think about like that relationship dynamic. So at the end of the day, I think a lot of it comes back to just our interpersonal communication skills and how we're choosing to have conversations with those on our staff that we maybe inherently don't trust. And are there biases under why we don't trust them? Do we not trust them because they don't teach like we would? Well, that doesn't mean that they're not a great teacher. You know, all if you look at sports, all of the great quarterbacks have all different strengths. That doesn't make one inherently better than the other or more trustworthy than the other. So I, it's, I, for me, it's a reflection thing. What is it underneath this for me that's impacting my inability to have trust in this particular educator? I, I love turning it back on ourselves for a couple of different reasons. But one of the other things is we don't control other people. We control ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if I turn this back on, on what do, what piece of this do I own? Well, I can do something about that. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to, to point out confirmation bias, right? So if I have this impression that Caitlin has bad classroom management, every time I observe her, I'm actually looking yep. for evidence that is going to confirm my bias and, and I'm going to miss all the, the evidence that goes counter to that. Mm-hmm. Which is a hugely, that's a very difficult thing to, for us to move past. So when there, I think when we have intention going into observing our teachers, that we are not going to, or going to do as much as we can as possible to remove that from our subconscious, right? We talk about um, with our business, you know, there's unconscious incompetence, 
where we just unconsciously, subconsciously are incompetent at something. Well, then once we become aware of it, it's conscious incompetence. I'm aware that I have this deficit, right? Well, then we can move into conscious competence. Well, I'm aware now of how I can start to adjust this behavior or this belief or this skill or whatever it is. And then over time, the end goal is unconscious competence. So subconsciously, we're now operating in that capacity. So I think when we kind of move through that, the first step though, is recognizing that we have this incompetence or that we have this bias. And now we're aware of it and ensuring that we're doing the best that we can to remove that when we are observing our teachers or supporting them in any capacity. And I think one simplistic way to do that is back to where we were a few minutes ago, which is you tell me what's going to make your teaching life better, right? In what ways do you want your work to be better? What do you want more out of the classroom, out of kids? And then when we can do that now, how do I help you? Mm -hmm. Because now it's not about, I've let my bias on the side of the road because they're driving the conversation Mm -hmm. and yeah, I have to trust. And I would say we're able to really serve such a small fraction of our school leaders, right? If you're an assistant of our school teachers, if you're an assistant principal, how many teachers are you really able to dig in and work with? And if all you're doing is leaving the sticky note that has a glow and a grow, that's not helping. Mm-hmm. I, I, leaving a suggestion that you cannot then go and and support, I don't think is helpful. And so when that, that teacher is leading the conversation and they're leading the area of growth, that makes it easier for me to support that. Mm-hmm. If we really have that concern with the teacher, which I think would be around safety, right? Mm-hmm. Because even if, if learning is not happening, then we need to figure out what's going on. But if learning is not happening, there are probably multiple things. And I still can start with the teacher on what their biggest pain point is. Mm-hmm. Because if I do that, now I build that trust and I build some, some confidence. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I can do where I really have that concern, I think I can say, Caitlin, here's my fear. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm owning it. And I'm Mm -hmm. not saying you're going to do a bad job or you're going to lose control of this classroom, but I can say, I hear what you, what you feel are the big issues. Here's my fear. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about that, but we can talk about it. I think in a way that is not me necessarily putting a bunch of stuff on you or telling you where exactly we're going to go. And me talking about my fears is me being a little bit more vulnerable Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the pieces too, that most companies in general, schools being some of those miss is an open feedback loop, you know, especially in education. This is, I actually recorded a podcast about this a couple of years ago. If you look at great athletes, like I, I relate a lot of things to sports, to working out, whatever, but if you look at great athletes, the best of the best all have coaches constantly helping them grow and change and get better. But we don't really see that the same in education and the workforce, et cetera, because we all make it mean something about us as opposed to looking at it from performance. And for teachers, it's even harder because teaching is an identity. That is who we are. Someone asks you, well, what do you do? I am a teacher, right? That is me. And so much of who we are and what we do is wrapped up into that piece. 
that when we get feedback from somebody, we make it mean something about us as teachers, as opposed to about our performance. And so one of the things that I think that admin and APs could really work on is creating an open feedback loop and that psychological safety is in our uh, safety in our communities and with our teachers and with our staff, where feedback is just feedback. It does not mean anything about you, right? And that's where that personal development comes into play that's actually really going to benefit our teachers is to have an employee or a staff member or a teacher who you can look at and say, you know what, Frederick, I'm just really struggling with this part of your classroom management strategy. And you can receive that and you can say, you know what? That's what I've been missing. Thank you so much. I received that feedback. That's a game changer because what kind of conversations now are you able to have? But it comes with a two-way street. You have to be willing to accept feedback from your teachers too on your performance, on how you're showing up for them. And this is what I do with my team at EB is on a monthly basis, I'm meeting with my department heads and we are having these open conversations and they are giving me feedback on my leadership too, because my whole goal is to grow also. And I want all of us to go together. So when it's this whole community thing, and this is what we do, and this is what we value here. Oh my gosh, what does that do for teachers, for you, for students to see that? It's just an incredible domino effect in the community. I hear people talk about the growth mindset. I mean, we hear that a lot. And traditionally, we hear teachers saying it about kids, but we also mm -hmm. then hear administrators saying, oh, I wish my teachers had a growth mindset. The best way to help support teachers, which I think the natural inclination to a growth mindset, right? Just not growing in the same direction I think they should. Mm -hmm. But the way to support that and the way to develop that open feedback loop is to begin with yourself. Yeah. To make your goals transparent. Seek feedback from other people. Seek specific constructive feedback that is going to help you grow and share that process of you growing. And once you're sharing your growth as a leader and you're modeling vulnerability, you're modeling acceptance and you're building the feedback loop for yourself, then I think you can start to have those conversations with other teachers about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hugely powerful and underutilized, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. As, as we start to tie this up, I think a lot of it goes back as so many things do. If you're the assistant principal and you want to support and grow your teachers, it starts with you. Yep. Always at the end of the day. And I want to say this actually is a great segue to a point that I wanted to make is I spent a lot of time like studying great leaders because I want to be a great leader when I pick up on things and whatever. And I think one of the best places to watch great leadership and how much leadership impacts an organization is through athletics and coaches. And some of the best shows have come out on Netflix recently. And Deion Sanders, what he's doing with Colorado right now, you know, you look and see like, okay, I ha we have mediocre players or whatever, but like, do we really have mediocre players? We have great athletes. We probably have great teachers. They became teachers for a reason, but something's missing. And what is that? And I think at the end of the day, it's great leadership because with great leadership comes belief of self. And I think for most people in this world, most of us struggle with that, of really actually believing that we are great. And that comes from you as a leader 
that's you. That's a you thing. That's an internal thing. So I think the more our assistant principals, the more our principals that they can do the inner work, right? Working on the inner game and all of that stuff that is yes, like mindset and woo and whatever. I truly believe that at the end of the day, that's what makes great leaders. That's what makes great teams. And that's what keeps great teachers working for you at your school. It all comes back to you, which is incredibly empowering because you have control over that. (laughs) Yes. And we go back to answering one of those earlier questions about people that don't trust that others want to grow. So I'm just going to distill this down to what I think you just said is that great leaders develop people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like your people are where they need to be or, or that you can't get them there, then you're not a great leader. And it'll mean that in a harsh way to do work on your leadership. (laughs) You get to work. Right. Right. That's the empowering piece of it. So we don't mean that in a a negative way, but my people don't want to grow is not the answer. The answer is how, how can I get better at my own skills at supporting people growing? And that comes from stop micromanaging people. Because you're going to have more time and more white space to actually do that. You know, how often are our APs sitting and reading a book about leadership or are going through a program on personal development? I mean, I would venture to guess not very often because there's so much going on. But the more that we can step back, the more we can trust our teachers, the more we give them agency over what they're doing and whatever it might be, the more we're going to have space and capacity to work on our own leadership, which then transfers back into our teachers and creates this incredible feedback loop for everybody. Yes. So a light bulb just went off in my head, which is the more that we give our teachers agency, the more agency we're taking, because the more we can trust and let that stuff go, then guess what? I'm not being controlled by all the urgent stuff in making Mm -hmm. decisions and being intentional about giving them agency. Now I can be intentional about my decisions. And it goes back to something I preach on this show a lot. Time management is not the answer. It's Mm -hmm. priority management, not time management. Mm -hmm. So as a leader, if, if I want to support and grow my teachers and I should, then I have to make those things my priorities, not all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love wow. that. This has been fun. <laughs> I have two I know, more I questions. I always love talking to you. Yeah, two more questions. Okay, are these I have like two more questions, questions okay. that I'm not going to have. You're going to love these. Oh, no. All right, first one. Okay. What part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? Um, communication, open communication. Yep, that's my struggle still for sure. Even though I was a communications major. <laughs> okay, if listeners could take away just one thing from today's podcast, what would it be? That's a good question. I really believe that great employees, great staff, great teachers want to work for great leaders. It's that whole A players want to work for A leaders. And if you can get yourself to that A leader, however you want to define that, you're an A plus leader, you're going to have great teachers who want to stay with you. You're going to love your job. And it goes back to exactly what you said. It starts with you. It starts with me. Awesome. And before we sign off, let people, let my listeners know a little bit more about all the great work you're doing and where they can find out more about you. 
Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, so I own and operate EV Academics. You can find us on Instagram at EV Academics. That probably won't serve you very much um, because it's teacher focused. Uh, if you want to learn about middle school English, you can definitely follow us over there. Um, but I also do um, support CEOs of small businesses in their own leadership. So I have my own separate business. Uh, it's called Excellence in Leadership. And you can find me on Instagram at Caitlin Mitchell Official and ask me any questions that you have. I'd be happy to talk about this stuff all day long. It lights me up and I just absolutely love it. Caitlin, this has been so much fun. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I very much appreciate it and always love having a conversation with you. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. This was so much fun. And I appreciated how Caitlin was able to weave in so many of her own and others' experiences. As with so many things, change begins with you. If you aren't having the impact you want on your teachers, don't point the finger at them. This isn't meant to be a chastisement. Quite the opposite. When we own our own role, we have power. There are many barriers to developing teachers, and we've touched on many of them in this show. But if you want to be better at serving your teachers, at empowering them and helping them grow, consider starting with the framework we looked at back in episode 155. There are four steps. First, learn about your teachers by being present taking interest, and exhibiting empathy. Second, empower teachers by giving them autonomy, recognizing their expertise, and offering them opportunities to lead. Third, support them by aligning purpose, structures, and resources to make it easier for teachers to teach by protecting them from the noisy, chaotic, and downright mean external environment, and then celebrate their achievements and their greatness. And finally, grow them through intentional conversations, by being adaptable to their desires, and being a partner in accountability by supporting them throughout the growth process. I've got a nice little graphic organizer for this approach. If you'd like it, just email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com and I'll send you a copy. Please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. Rating the show helps others find it. And if you want to be a super fan, consider leaving a review. Again, you'll be helping others find the show and you'll make me smile. I'm Frederick Buskey and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Happy Halloween. Cheers. Mm-hmm.